Hey, you! Yeah, I'm talking to you. In the words of Gordon Gecko, money never sleeps. Man, am I glad you came in bright and early, ready to learn how to be even more profitable from some of the industry's best. Welcome to the Equip Expo's Influencer Live, powered by Kohler. Get ready to hear from Mitchell Gordy, Andy Mulder, and Alex Kirby. I'm Mr. Producer, the man behind the curtain, bringing you podcasts from Naylor Taliaferro, Caleb Allman, Paul Jamison, and many others. So here's the big question. Are you ready? I said, are you ready? For all of you in attendance, for the tens of thousands listening around the world, from the 2022 Equip Expo, let's get ready to podcast with Influencer Live. Well, thanks for listening to the LCR Media Podcast, where we get to know the pros. I'm your host, LCR Naylor Taliaferro, and I'm joined by a live studio audience. What's going on, everybody? Bright and early on a Thursday morning, 8 a.m. Thank you guys for coming in. Are you guys ready for the craziest, biggest show ever? Yeah! All right. And I mean this show, but, you know, the Equip Expo, too, right? Yeah. <laughs> no. Um, so thank you to the Equip Expo. Thank you to Kohler for sponsoring this uh, event yet again, second year in a row, Influencer Live. Thank you guys for coming. Just a, a quick lay of the land here. So we're going to have three back-to-back podcasts. There's going to be my podcast then Caleb's podcast, Kid Contractor, and then Green Industry Podcast with Paul Jameson. So we're going to rotate that through there. And you guys are going to get a chance to ask any of us questions on each podcast. So we have John Pajak out there. Pajak, where are you at? There he is. Yeah. So anybody, as we're going along, if you think of any questions for us, the guests, specifically the guests, Alex Kirby, interviewing Alex today on this episode. Uh, those of you listening at home, uh, this is for you guys to be able to feel like you're a part of everything and, and get, get some good value, hopefully. So any questions you guys have, make sure you raise your hands as you're going, we're going along so Payjack can start queuing that up and we'll leave time. Uh, we have our nice timer here, right? 25 minutes or less, right, Caleb, Paul? And make sure we keep, keep an eye on that so that we don't go over in our time and we leave time for the Q&A. So with that being said, enough of all that talk. I'm joined with Alex Kirby. How's it going, Alex? The trifecta landscape. That's right. What's up, Naylor? What's up, everybody? Good to see everybody. Uh, yeah. It's going good, Naylor. I am sleepy. I have a three-year-old and a one-year-old that I brought to the show. Wow. So you can assume how that's going. Um, <laughs> and my wife's six months pregnant, so let's put a cherry on top. But I'm good, man. I'm nice. Good. Congratulations. Thank you. I'm the Elon Musk of landscaping, I like to say. Repopulation. So. Nice. Yeah, man. So, so Alex, for those that haven't uh, you haven't been on my podcast yet. So those who are listening and haven't heard your sure. story and those in the audience aren't 100% familiar or at all, why don't you give us a little backstory, how you started and what you do and so on. Sure. So been in the lawn and landscape business six years. I am from Columbia, South Carolina. Go Gamecocks. Any Kentucky Wildcat fans? 
licking their wounds this week. Pretty sweet. Um, yeah, man. So I was actually a pastor, Naylor, before I started doing lawn and landscape. I was in the ministry. Nice. And I got married to my wife young, and I looked at her one morning and said, this isn't going to work. And that's not the words you should say when you're first married. But I, and I meant financially not going to work. You know, you're not making any money. Uh, inflation's going crazy. And I looked at her and said, I got to get an extra job. I don't know what that looks like, but I'm going to start looking and praying for that opportunity. And so I had off on Fridays at the church, and this guy actually about four days later came up to me and said, hey, you're from the city. Do you know anyone who can cut my grass? I said, I have YouTube. And I can do it. I had never cut grass before. You'll never believe that. My dad was a manicurist of our property. He didn't let us touch it. And so for, um, for one yard, I YouTubed it and tried to learn how to edge, weed eat, mow, blow out of a tundra or a Tacoma at the time, excuse me. And so I started cutting lawns. And then the neighbor, you know how it goes. The neighbor asks and then the next neighbor asks. And next thing I know, I've got about 15 properties and doing that on Fridays. And that's a long night, if you can imagine. Um, then I st- stepped out in faith and, and quit that and started a lawn care company in January, which is another bad decision. Um, and so I didn't know anything about what we call in the South pine straw. Raise some hands, pine straw. <laughs> Saved my life, the golden goose, um, as we call it, golden needle. So um, started doing that. Man, God bless my business from day one. I thought that was 2017. Did a quarter of a million dollars first year. And wow. uh, we are up to about $1.6 million in six years now, so. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Congratulations. So obviously you kind of did a lot in a short amount of time. What are, what are some, uh, some things, some mistakes and some successes that you got from, from along the way there? Sure. So I made a lot of mistakes and if you guys don't follow my content on Instagram or, um, anything like that, I'm pretty transparent about the business side of this because that's where God has really put my mind on the marketing and business side. And, there's a ton of mistakes to be made, and it's not going to get much easier, but we're going to have to be creative. So some of the big, biggest mistakes I made is building the company on myself and realizing that I could grow this thing fairly quickly with just you know um, personality or whatever, but that doesn't mean I have a good company. Just because I've grown our revenues doesn't mean I've grown a good company. And I know probably a lot of you feel that at times, especially this year with labor issues. Um, one of the biggest mistakes I made was, you know, having this revenue is vanity and profit is sanity mentality. You know, I had it opposite. I was like, gotta go, gotta grow, gotta grow. And I wasn't necessarily in the beginning, first couple of years asking myself, am I even making money? Um, I call it pushing money. You know, if I'm, if I'm making 60 bucks on the lawn, am I really making profit at all? I, I didn't know that for the first couple of years. I started really asking myself. And so just because you're, grossing or your QuickBooks um, says you have a million bucks in revenue, you, if it's not at the bottom line, who cares? I mean, if you're, it doesn't matter the size of your company. That was a big mistake the first, I'd say, three years. I'm in year six now. Uh, about the fourth year, um, we were turning a million bucks, and I guess that number kind of made me think, huh, am I even making, you know, I'm doing well. And thankfully, we were doing fairly well because a couple of OGs uh, answer some pricing questions for me early. So I don't know if anybody does that. That's another piece of advice I give. If you're struggling in your area, go find a guy who's not trying to grow at all. And maybe, and he wants to pour out all of his 20, 30 years in the business, buy him a biscuit at, at, at Bojangles, holla Bojangles. And, um, just say, Hey, can I get in your brain and, and figure out how do, how do I price jobs? How do I hire people? Um, 
don't be embarrassed to ask people in your local community because your market is what you need to know. California prices are way different than me in South Carolina. Uh, Canadian prices are way different, right? So you need to figure out in your area what the market will dictate. So that was one of the big mistakes I made. I made a lot of mistakes. I made a lot. Yeah, well, it's one thing to make, you know, a million dollars, but yeah. if you spend a million dollars, right, Caleb? It's, it's zero. You made zero. So I, I'm, I'm, I just know that you've said that. You've made that comment before. I'm not saying you did that. I've double-checked the math. Yeah, it, it, that's the way it works. <laughs> yeah, but no, but, but honestly, like, it doesn't matter how much your top line is. It's all about the bottom line. So yeah. uh, Another big mistake I made is, does everyone have a handbook or a procedural handbook in here? Raise your hand if you do have one. So nice. Down. I got some made, work to do. Yeah. I, I, I have about 20 to 25 employees um, now. And so depending on the season and one of the biggest mistakes I made is only until 12 months ago that I have a handbook and an, like an HR onboarding process and all that stuff uh, where we walk you through the app we use. I mean, does anyone have jobber in here and they go, Hey, here's the app, figure it out. Right? Like I've been there a million percent. So there are so many things that we just assumed, me and me assuming, um, that guys are, would understand. And having the onboarding process starts your new hire feeling confident so much more. They feel so much more prepared. You know, I know we're in the lawn landscape industry and everybody thinks it's easy. We've all heard that, right? How, who at Christmas has heard one of your aunts say, oh, that's cute. You're cutting grass now. Yeah, I've heard that a lot. And so we have to beat that mentality, right? And so having this procedure book and handbook, especially on my trifecta side, the last 12 months has helped a ton. Um, so I really encourage you to do that because there were so many hours of wasted time uh, trying to onboard somebody. They don't know where they're supposed to go. They don't know what time to be there. You know, what, so what time are we clocking in? You know, if you just had all this through. So I, I encourage you guys a lot, like greatly. Um, the other one, I didn't, is that okay to say one more? Absolutely. Um, We're on a podcast. Let's go. Yeah. Well, I didn't know if Mr. John Goodlooking Payjack is out there with some yeah, questions. But, it's um, good. Yeah, you guys can start queuing up yeah. questions, but so, we still got plenty of time. So one of the other things that I didn't do well in the beginning was have a, a focused meeting every week. Um, so we didn't hear from our crew leaders. This is, if you guys have crew leaders, it, I didn't give them a voice for a long time. I would have a meeting where I talked a lot and didn't have a time where they got to talk. And so probably 16, 18 months ago, on Mondays from 30 minutes, we have the crew leaders come in and they just say what they're seeing. Because it, 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 the facts are this, your, your crew knows a lot more about your business on the ground half the time than you do, unless you're an owner operator, obviously. You better know if you're an owner operator. <laughs> right. Um, yeah, but um, you know, if you have any type of employees, make sure you give them a space every week to, to be heard. Um, you might not like everything they say. You might not agree with it, but they need a chance to be heard. So that, that's another big mistake I made. Yeah, it, it sounds like you've done a lot of learning as you go, learning on the fly. Mm -hmm. I, and, and I know there's been a lot of mixed opinions on this. Like a lot of us want to, we almost get uh, analysis, you know, paralysis because yeah. we, we end up just trying to make everything perfect instead of just taking action. And then some people just dive right in head first and sometimes they stumble and fall and learn as they go. And sure. probably a balance of the two might be the ideal situation. But um, what, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think it's both. I think you have to, you know, one thing on the sales side, if, if anyone's, I really focus on the sales and marketing side. It's what I really care about. Um, a lot of people I hear in the green industry, I do some, some coaching calls and stuff like that. They say, 
Um, well, I, I just can't take on any more work, so I'm not going to put my name out there. One thing is make sure you're always getting leads because you might can replace some of your work that's not great with better work. So make sure you're doing that. And number two, always ask. You know, you never, if you're not asking a commercial property that you dreamed about doing, um, if they're taking, I don't like saying taking bids because we don't even take bids, but accepting new work, um, they're already saying no. So you don't get the opportunity to hear yes. Um, one of my biggest clients to date, we've done it five years, we do over $300,000 a year with them, was because I emailed them for six months in a row to get a meeting. And then I actually went up there and said, hey, I really want to meet with you. And it just happened to be that was the week they fired their other company. And so five years later, we're doing, they're my biggest client. Um, I actually have a funny story. Another one, I have another good client, uh, a home builder. Um, I couldn't get this guy to answer the phone. And I dressed up like I was going to a meeting and took an, uh, a briefcase in and I told the lady, I'm here to see John. And she didn't say a word. And I got a meeting with John. Nice. So you just, that's a true story. So you, you never know, guys. Just do, do things outside of the box. There's a lot of people who are taking the safe route in this business. If, if you have, you know, who likes QT, best gas station in America? You know, try to find the decision maker. You know, if you want to be doing the six in your area. If, if there's a church that you guys want to be mowing and the stripes look terrible, I don't get stripes. I don't have fescue. Okay. So I'm jealous every time I come up here to Kentucky. Jay Jacobs, where are you at? Gosh, bro. It's terrible. I got Cineweed in Bermuda. Um, but if there's, a, if there's a church you want to do, man, go and take that pastor to lunch and pray with him. You know what I mean? Like, whatever it takes. Um, do, do you have a lot of commercial or do you have some residential? We're like too? half and half. And uh, I don't know about you guys, but we're moving to a property management style. Uh, so we don't even mow, blow, and go anymore. Um, now, at my size, I have to do that. I, we have... It's not that I think everybody should do that, but for me, it's like a whole property management thing for you. I have to do fertilizing you, yeah. shrubs and, and mowing, so we do the whole package now. I think that's a model that is um, profitable because then you can upsell those customers' landscape jobs a lot easier. The mobile go people, typically in my area, we're doing quarter acre to half acre properties like that, and they're just not they're not ready for that. So um, that's where we're at. But we also have a lot of overhead, and we have a big facility and all the things that some people don't have. That's a good point. Talking about big facility, like what did you start with? Storage, your house, garage? What's that evolution? Because I get a lot of questions about that. I still work out of like four or five storage units. It's kind of crazy, but I have a really good area and setup and connections. And, you know, like there's, there's the storage, there's an office space, there's the self-service car wash next to all that. And then there's my dealer, Kanabi Outdoor yep. Power, right next to that. That's so literally I've just driven... Convenient. Yeah, driven my mower to get it clean, driven it over to Kanabi to drop it off. Like, just we're riding around, everyone's looking at us. We're like, it's all good, we got it, you know? So that's very convenient, so you have to pay for that a little bit. But at the same time, I know someone else in my area that's on the other side of town who said, you know, when I get to like $2,000 a month in storage, I'm going to find a shop. And he just got to that point sometime over the summer, found a shop further away, but at least now that he's got his own shop. And it's a game changer in a lot of ways for him as he's growing his business to four or five crews and it's just hard to work out of a storage unit like that so what's your your story on that Hey friends, Mr. Producer here, and I've been listening to Naylor emphasize route density on his podcast for over a year now, and I've encouraged him to take all this material and create a masterclass to put all of his knowledge in one place and share it with you. This is going to be a live three-week course. Nothing's pre-recorded. You'll have access to group live streams and one-on-ones with Naylor. Every session ends with action steps that you can implement right away in your business. 
plus, you'll get a copy of the session recordings emailed to you. Hey, if you want to learn how to make $1,000 all the way up to $3,000 a day in lawn maintenance through Route Density, then you need to click the link in the episode description. Trust me, you won't be disappointed. Toro's brand new battery-powered Revolution Series products are changing the lawn care industry. With all-day runtime from the innovative Hypercell battery system, you can expect to power through your entire day, every day. Head to revolution.toro.com to see how Toro is transforming the game with the latest equipment innovations. Or click the link tree in the episode description to get you there fast. Yeah, well, first off, Johnny from Blades of Grass is here. He was the first guy that I found on Johnny. Instagram. And Johnny was the one I saw do the storage unit thing early. Um, and I'm sure there's a lot of people. But if you're not using a storage unit and you're like, you have a space to do that, it is a genius way to have office space and parking and stuff like that. But for us, we rent a pretty big facility. We have a half to almost an acre laydown yard, somewhere in three quarters area. And then we have an office. We have a bathroom, a conference room, all that stuff. Um, the thing that you don't think about when you have to get a big facility is the parking for your employees. And so like we have 22 cars, right? And that that's the hardest part is not the equipment area. It's the, where can guys park? So for us, we tried to find, it's hard. It, I don't know where you guys, it's really hard to find places to rent right now. Anybody else having a struggle finding a new place? I mean, it's really difficult. And so you have to use social media as best you can. I found our place because someone tagged me after posting for four months, literally every week. Does anyone know anyone that has property to rent? And finally someone tagged me. Um, I looked on LoopNet. If anyone's looked on LoopNet, it's, it's hard. But <clears throat> for me, using social media, I've hired half of my staff from social media post. And a lot of people don't think it works. It does for me. I, I just post, hey, does anyone have people they would recommend to work for me? You know, usually your people, your friends with have really good people they're cool with, right? You would hope you have running good circles. So um, that's how I found my facility. And it's, it's been a game. We've been there almost two years now. Yeah. And to, to that end, and some previous points that you made, I just wanted to piggyback on that, on that and say that I feel like as long as we keep looking for employees, keep looking for a place, keep looking for this or that, like we just can't stop. Uh, I've had a tremendously difficult time, like so many of us in the industry trying to find and keep good people, right? Are are you with me? Uh, Yeah, so, but I've found, I've had the best time finding the best people when nobody else is looking for them. Like in the winter and the slow times when you think you're not hiring, you should always be hiring because you never know when you come across the needle in the haystack. So that's where I've been the most successful. Whenever I've stopped being aggressive with hiring or looking for new equipment or look this or that or whatever the scenario is, that's when the ball kind of gets dropped. So just be consistent and relentless and, per, and and persistent so that you can keep, you know, finding what you need. And eventually, you know, there, there, where there's a will, there's a way, right? So I'll like say one more thing maybe before we take questions, but transparency, it, it, from my end, it has been a brutal year. It's been a brutal two years. Amen. It's been hard. We, we really have, um, I don't just hire every person and that makes the pool even smaller. Um, we do four tens, and so we try to be more attractive that way. We can talk about that another time. But one of the things Corey Ballard says, he says, this business is about how much pain you can put yourself through and still get up every day. How much can you withstand? How much the guy, your favorite crew leader quitting on you after three years and doesn't give it two weeks? 
uh, 17 Indeed interviews signed up and two show up, right? <laughs> Who's been there? Amen. Um, it, you've got to just keep pushing through because your best thing might be on the other side. I'm telling you, I have a couple of my best team members I never saw coming. And some of the best clients I've never saw coming because we just kept pushing. And I know that's a simple message today, but at this time we're in, it's hard. And you got to keep the faith. But one thing to do that is make sure you're running a business and not just self-employed because you cannot hire people who feel like they work for a guy. They're not going to want to be on board. If they feel like they're emptying the money into your coffers, so to speak, all the time, and we're just, you know, we're working 50 hours, and this guy's getting a better truck every day, some of that you can't, you know, deal with, and it's just going to happen. But make sure you have legit uniforms. Make sure you have a legit, you know, time you start every day. Don't text them at 11.58 every night saying, new start time tomorrow every other day. Um, Make sure you're running a company that people want to work at and not just work for somebody. Does that make sense? Makes perfect sense. Thank you, Alex. So let's uh, head on over to questions. Payjack, what you got for us? Our first question is coming from Ron Falk. And go ahead, sir. Your name, Trifecta, how'd you come up with that name? I think you could guess, but I didn't want to name it Trinity uh, because I didn't want to alienate other types of customers. So I was watching Steph Curry for the Warriors one night. Anyone a basketball fan? And he hit a three-pointer, and they said he hit the trifecta. And I said, that's a great alternative. So that's what I went with. Nice. Keep it simple, man, you know? (laughs) I liked it. Yeah. stuck. Yeah. Anybody else? Oh, here we go. Steph Curry out there doing the Lord's work. He's doing the Lord's work, (laughs) making that 50 mil. And our next question is from Jacob Watkins. What's up, Jacob? Um, So, like, what's a good way to develop, like, really like competitive pricing. You know what I mean? You should call three companies in your area and act like you're a old lady and say, Hey, I need a quote for my lawn. And you get three quotes and now you found your market pricing. Can we hear your old lady voice? Hello. <laughs> Something like that. But yeah, you, you should call around and then, and then, like I said, ask the, the OG company who doesn't want to grow, doesn't want to add customers, go sit down for one hour. I did that. This guy has the best, uh, Palmetto uh, in our area, and my boy says right here. But um, I had lunch with a guy, and he gave me an hour of his time. Said, "This is how much you should charge, and I'll send you referrals." It was awesome. And I will also, <clears throat> I'll add to that. If if you don't have peers, or if you're, you know, maybe intimidated first in the business, you know, and doing some of these other things. Make sure you know your numbers, right? You got to figure that kind of stuff out. We all talk about that and throw that phrase out there, but it, it's not about what so-and-so and so-and-so and so-and-so charge. It's about what you need to charge to be profitable in your business. So the quicker you figure that out, that's when you know what your market price is because we should be raising the market. Who cares about what the market is? Make it our market. Make it your market. That's good, Naylor. Like, raise your prices, get your numbers straight, and then everybody will be asking you how much to charge. Don't get 100% of yeses. Get 50% of noes. Make that money. Stop leaving it on the table. Let's go. Come on. I love that. And plus, if you have an $800 truck payment, your price has got to be higher. So having as little debt as possible... Uh, helps you be competitive, but Naylor's dead on. Yeah. Go ahead, PJ. 
I don't want to plug myself, but you know, budgets break even is the bottom line. But John KJ, <laughs> just saying. Woo, there you go. I'll, I'll dial I, it in right you. You're you. picking up what I'm putting down, PJ. Yeah. Good job. All right, our next question is from Zach Jones. Hey, Zach. Uh, what's up, Paul? Alex, I heard on one of your podcasts one time that the reason that you moved to doing full service, like property management stuff, was because you didn't want your company name to be on properties that you only mowed or you only fertilize because if somebody comes to your company and they call you and they say, why does this property look like crap? You have to tell them like, well, they didn't get this service. So I just wanted to know if you had any more thoughts on that for the rest of the audience of how you're, of how you're developing your company in order to convince people to get the full package instead of just mowing, just fertilizing. So I'm going to be honest. Paul was one of the first people I ever heard talk. Me and Paul have been friends four years now, Paul, four or five years. So before Paul's podcast got any legs, we and I, he and I were talking about this and he did all the NFL guys, right. For the, for the Falcons. And it stuck in my mind. And so what was happening, exactly what you're saying. I don't know if anyone's ever felt this. We're mowing the yard. True greens coming and doing whatever they do. God knows what they do. And then I'm getting a call. Why does my turf look terrible? I'm like, "Eh, I'm not going to slander anybody and get sued. But that was happening, right? And so when we moved, this year was the first year we literally only do ACH payments uh, or credit card if you want to pay the fee. We charge it on the first of the month, not not 30 days after. This is our menu. I I went to a menu style. This is what we offer. If you want to eat here, you can eat here. If not, there's a McDonald's down the street going to Naylor's Point. And so we just got, a, we've gotten so many nice properties this year. And guess, and like what it does, it helps me hold my guys accountable. If there's a problem on the property, I know it was us. There is no excuse unless there's someone walking their dog and you know how that goes. But um, it's been a huge help for us. It helps me quality control. It helps me train better and it helps me, uh, my revenue, my ticket price is way higher. Also, I will add to that. Um, many years ago, I had that same issue, and you get more of what you already have. So if you don't want crappy yards, it's my podcast, I'll say whatever. If you, <laughs> if you don't want crappy yards, then don't take on crappy yards because you just keep getting crappy yards. And if you want nice yards, those nice customers with nice yards, maybe nice customers, you know, the nice yards, they're going to drive by and see you on the crappy yard. They're not going to call you for their nice yards. So you got to stop that. You got to be done with that and focus on what you want to focus on. If you want crappy yards, go for it. But I'm just saying it's hard to do both. And you need to just put your foot down and be specific. And I, I don't mow blown go. People are like, oh, you don't have to edge. You can just mow. Like, no, nobody knows what deal that you've made with this or that person's made with you. Yeah. They just drive by seeing, man, clean cut's not looking so clean and cut. What's up with that? You know, they don't know that you gave Susie a bargain. So it's like, no, we do all or nothing. Like, we do it our way, and that's it because our name is on that. Our trucks are in front of your property and so on. So I know a lot of other companies yeah. that do similar things to that. Um, they will not be in front of a property unless they're mowing it and or fertilize or mowing and fertilizing. That's what I'm going to now. I'm not going to just mow a yard that I can't treat because I want to make sure that I can control how that yard looks. So this way, when people see it, they see everything that we've done and they feel confident to contact us and we can keep growing that way. You can imagine my hourly cost on labor do 21 guys times 17 bucks an hour, whatever it is, right? Imagine when my guys pull up to mow the yard and there's a fer- another fertilizing company fertilizing it and we've now had to skip a visit. It gets n- nightmare status. So controlling the outcome is what I say. We want to control the outcome as much as possible. So 
I recommend it to a lot of people, and you know, not everybody it's a good fit for, but I think that's the direction we're heading 100% next. We already do it, but we're even cutting more customers and raising our rates up again to do the same thing. All right, Paycheck, we have time probably for one more question, a two-minute warning here. Anybody? Oh, oh we got a bunch of them back here. All right. All right. If you can do it real quick, what's your uh, organizational hierarchy real quick, foreman, all that stuff? Or I have, don't, yeah, we'll that's okay. Director of operations, two supervisors, uh, eight crew leaders. Caleb, make sure your mic's closer next time. You got, you got a kiss on the mic. <laughs> okay, Excellence of broadcasting here. Caleb. Come on. <laughs> our last question is from Jenny. So you mentioned that your guys do uh, four 10-hour days. Yes. How do you work that with weather or, you know, different things, That's scheduling? <clears throat> um, this has been a huge – if anyone hasn't done the four tens model, Monday through Thursday, 7 a.m. to 5-ish, uh, Fridays is our rain day. So we, we schedule mowing four days a week. If it rains one day, we push it to Friday. We haven't worked a Saturday in two years. So that's, that's the way we do it. It's huge for hiring. It's very attractive. You can imagine for someone to go, oh, I get three days off. Sweet. You would think they'd want overtime, but we all know the answer to that. <laughs> no. Awesome. Well, thank you, Alex, for being on the podcast today. Thank you guys, thank you guys. for listening. And we are going to uh, wrap up this episode and head on over to the Kid Contractor Podcast. Thank you, guys. God bless. This has been an LCR Media and Mr. Producer production.